All right. Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us for Compass Point, the podcast from the DC Wilder School's Office of Research and Outreach. Here, we share some of the exciting research being conducted by our faculty members, explore projects from our centers and institutes, and share ways for students to become involved with Wilder School research. My name is Brittany Keegan, and I'm the Director of Research Promotion and Engagement for the Office of Research and Outreach. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Salta Liebert, an associate professor in the Wilder School, and Dr. Grant Rissler, an affiliate faculty member at the Wilder School, who will share some information about a recent study they conducted on barriers to integration for Virginia's immigrants. So Dr. Liebert and Dr. Rissler, thank you both so much for joining us today. To begin, could you each please talk a little bit about your role at VCU and your research interests? Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Feltanat Liebert. I'm Associate Professor at, of Public Administration at the L. Douglas Wilder School of Government and Public Affairs. My research focuses on the integration of immigrants and on comparative governance issues. Hi, folks. This is Grant Rissler, uh, affiliate faculty member at the Wilder School. Uh, my research uh, is in many ways similar to Dr. Liebert's. Uh, focused on how state and local governments respond to immigrant communities and the role that public administrators themselves can play in, in shaping those responses. All right, and again, thank you both for being here and welcome. Um, so let's talk about the recent study that you conducted on barriers to integration that are experienced by Virginia's immigrants. Um, can we start with talking about how you became involved with that project? About a year and a half ago, uh, we were contacted by one of our alumni who served as a policy advisor to the Office of New Americans at the Virginia Department of Social Services. Uh, they were looking for a research team to conduct a needs assessment of what barriers to integration immigrants in Virginia encounter. Uh, Grant and I submitted a proposal detailing our vision for how to best conduct this type of a needs assessment. and. Um, Researchers from other universities in Virginia were also considered, uh, but ultimately our research team was selected to conduct the study. All right, great. Well, I'm excited that um, you were the team that was selected. So once you knew that you would be the ones conducting the study, um, could you please just give a brief overview of what methodology you chose? Um, so why did you choose the methodology you did? And then how did you go about gathering data um, and just in general, why did you make the choices that you did? Sure, uh, I can take this question. So, uh, you know, our, our marching orders, so to speak, uh, from the uh, Office of New Americans was to, to develop a better sense of what barriers immigrants were encountering within Virginia. And uh, within that, there was also a sense that uh, it had been a while since uh, somebody in a research capacity had tried to develop a a pretty good snapshot of the immigrant community within Virginia. So we wanted to pursue, as we set out on this, a mixed methodology. The goal was to, to have the report reflect both that big picture of the impact and diversity of immigrant communities in Virginia, and also the individual voices and experience of immigrants. So the qualitative side of the project included the voice of about uh, 50 immigrants who participated in focus groups and interviews as well as about 50 interviews with representatives of immigrant serving organizations. And they as uh, immigrant serving organizations could sometimes speak from the experience of supporting numerous different immigrants and provide insight into barriers that they encountered and some of the patterns that emerged as well. 
On the big picture size, we used uh, only secondary data, uh, primarily from American community surveys that are conducted by the Census Bureau, uh, but also some data from the Virginia Department of Education and some that had been compiled from the New American Economy nonprofit group. And we used all of that to try to provide an accessible portrait of the diversity of immigrant communities here in the Commonwealth, both in the traditional printed report, but also, uh, and I thought this was, uh, we, I think we've continued to learn that this was a helpful thing through a series of interactive maps that allow someone say in Fairfax or in Rockingham County to look at the data for their own community uh, on the basis of a map. So, um, that was kind of the, the two sides of the product project. The other thing uh, I think that I would note in terms of what led us to make our choices and, and shape some of our choices is that, um, especially in relation to immigrant communities, uh, the importance of earned trust is incredibly uh, important. And for most people that we would have talked to, of course, we uh, were just people, researchers from Virginia Commonwealth University. So we needed to depend on and benefited from the existing relationships between the Office of New Americans and its advisory board and the immigrant serving organizations, um, that kind of relationship. And then between those immigrant servicing organizations and the immigrant communities and individuals themselves. So we started in the fall of 2021 with the interviews with the immigrant serving organizations first. And then often with the help of those same organizations uh, in the spring of 2022, we invited individual immigrants to be part of focus groups. And of course, in, in both cases, when trust is a priority, we promised anonymity uh, that any of the, the things that they shared with us, uh, if published, would, would be anonymized. And that was an important factor as well. And that actually segues pretty well into our next question, which is looking at how you kind of identify um, your sample and the participants. So you talked about building trust with the community um, and kind of using some of the existing connections that you had to reach out to that population. Um, what were some of the other things that you considered as you worked to just set up the study and begin collecting data and identifying potential participants? Well, first of all, this is a study about immigrants. So it was important for us to include not only participants who are fluent in English, but also those who are limited English proficient. This is why when setting up interviews and focus groups, we provided interpretation into Dari and Pashto, these are the two main languages in Afghanistan, into Spanish, Mandarin, Arabic, French, and Russian. Uh, once the data collection was completed and we completed our report, it was also important for us as researchers to ensure that the study participants were able to see the final product. They contributed it, they shared details with us, some of those details about their journey to the US and about their life here was uh, those details that were personal and candid. So we wanted them to see that they've contributed to something bigger than just one interview. And this is why once we completed the report, we arranged for the translation of the executive summary of the report into top seven languages spoken in Virginia. That's great. And I love that approach, how you're you know, kind of keeping participants involved um, and helping them understand the value of their contributions throughout that project. Um, you know, there's always the worry when we're doing community-based research that the researchers will just go in, gather the data, and they're never seen again. That can really harm trust um, 
within that community, not only for those researchers, but for researchers who come later. Um, so it seems like you're really doing a good thing with that approach that you took. Exactly. We really wanted to avoid that perception that we are transactional, right? We pop in for data collection and that they never hear from us again, because we do hope to be engaged with this community for a long time to come. And we hope to uh, facilitate some policy changes that will be helpful to this community. Absolutely. And as you were, um, you know, collecting data and interacting with all of your participants, were there any unexpected successes or challenges that you encountered? Um, and if you did encounter any of these, maybe what did they mean for that research? And if there were challenges, how did you address those? Sure. And I think, uh, you know, there are many in any project uh, like this, but I'll highlight uh, one of each here. I think one of the, the unexpected uh, successes or things that we weren't sure exactly how it would uh, change our research, but because we were still emerging from COVID, most of our interviews uh, took place via Zoom uh, or another online platform. And the, the degree to which I think Zoom facilitates qualitative research in, in many ways or can uh, I think was one of the things that we discovered along the way. It significantly lowered the travel costs that we thought would be associated with the project. It was able to fit into others' schedules in, I think, much more uh, kind of matching up ways. Um, there was an ease of integrating in a translator when needed from a professional translating uh, company. Uh, and of course, uh, if you've used Zoom and, and recorded, it provides a, a first draft of a transcript. Of course, uh, the, it's not entirely accurate, and that raises some additional challenges as well, going through it and checking that for accuracy. Um, but I think that was uh, definitely one of the things that was, was different than doing research uh, kind of prior to uh, everybody from being familiar for the most part. Uh, with uh, Zoom or other platforms for video conferencing. I think uh, a challenge, uh, I wouldn't say it's a new challenge by any means or unique to this project, but uh, was recruitment. And uh, I think that's true of almost any, um, any study, whether it's trying to get par participation in a survey or trying to get uh, focus groups or interviews. Um, it takes time. And even with good partners, it takes time. And uh, we were able to you know, in terms of helping to, to overcome that, you know, one thing that I think was important was being able to share the recruitment materials in multiple languages uh, so that uh, our organizational partners didn't necessarily have to explain it in detail, um, but they could hand off, you know, several different languages or pass on via email. Uh, and I think a key factor was also, you know, the support from several of those organizations who uh, especially some adult literacy organizations that had classes of students who were interested in, uh, and able to participate. So, you know, I think anybody engaging in, in research, um, in the, the whole maxim about uh, plan how much you need for data collection and participant recruitment, and then, you know, multiply by some percentage uh, to, to get something that's more accurate uh, is, is always a good thing to keep in mind. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think it's just good to hear that even very experienced researchers like yourselves also, you know, can sometimes encounter challenges with recruitment, um, you know, I, with students or with new um, faculty members just entering the field. It can be discouraging, I think, sometimes 
that if you're you're really excited about your study and you try to seek participants um, and you're not getting the response that you want. But I think you had some great suggestions um, of how to maybe reach out more and to just kind of keep at it um, and stay persistent with that. And Definitely. and you recently completed the study. Um, so are there any key findings that you would like to share? Absolutely. There were a lot of findings. The biggest theme that emerged from the focus groups and interviews was that immigrants in Virginia don't really know where to find information about services, about benefits, and other resources that are already available to them. Another major theme was the language barrier, which is probably not surprising. Language determines what types of jobs are available to immigrants if they are fluent in English, right? The jobs that are available to them will be very different if uh, compared to when they're still quite lear learning English, they're still learning English and not, not quite fluent. Whether or not they are fluent in English also determines whether immigrants are able to engage with schools in a meaningful way, whether they're able to advance their education and whether they're able to fully participate in their communities. The language barrier um, included limited language access to government services, but also barriers to learning English. And these barriers included several factors. One is lack of time. Many of the immigrants work more than one job and they work really long hours. So at the end of the day, they're so exhausted that finding time and energy to learn English is quite challenging. Uh, another barrier to learning English uh, includes lack of transportation. Uh, many immigrants, when they first arrive, they either don't know how to drive or don't know, don't have a vehicle or both. So uh, getting to the, where the English classes are could be problematic. Another barrier is childcare issues. If they're taking a class, who's going to take care of the children, right, if they don't have any alternatives? And final barrier was the quality and the cost of language classes that are available to them. Um, another theme that emerged was the immigration status. For immigrants to be fully to fully participate in Virginia's economy and in political processes, legal immigration status is a key issue. Legal immigration status determines whether or not immigrants can find employment in the formal economy. And those without legal status are usually limited to jobs that are in the informal economy. So these are jobs that pay cash, but these are often jobs in which immigrants are vulnerable to exploitation, wage theft, and human trafficking. In terms of political participation, undocumented immigrants cannot vote, as we all know, but they're also reluctant to engage in other processes, such as participating in parent-teacher associations or in town hall meetings with local politicians. Yet another major theme that emerged from our data included the so-called brain waste, Brain waste occurs when immigrants do not use or significantly underutilize their education and skills after they immigrate to a new country. Yet another barrier was a barrier to education. These barriers include the tuition costs, which are often out of reach for many recent immigrants, but also the know-how. How do you go about applying to colleges, uh, filling out FAFSA forms, and providing advice to high school students? Uh, yet another barrier was medical care. Uh, so when it comes to health access and access to health care, the interviews revealed major obstacles that immigrants face when they access medical care. Immigration status, again, 
determines whether or not immigrants have access to health insurance or to government programs such as Medicaid. There are free clinics in Virginia, but often immigrants don't know about them or they live in rural areas where there are no free clinics. When accessing medical care, immigrants also experience linguistic and cultural barriers. Some immigrants, especially refugees, experience trauma and they need to access mental health resources. And as we all know, these are hard to come by even in English, let alone in other languages. These are just some of the highlights from the findings of our study. A full list can be found in our report that is available online. And online, the listeners can also find the GIS maps uh, that Dr. Rizler developed as part of the study. Yes, yeah, so you found a lot of really important information. And I'll be sure to include um, the link that you referenced in the description so that our listeners can have easy access um, to that report. Great, thank you. Thank you. And, you know, one of the goals for this podcast um, is to not only share all of the you know, great research that's coming out of the Wilder School, but also to maybe give um, students or new professionals some ideas about how they might get started on their own projects. So what recommendations do you have um, for those who might be interested in conducting similar research? Sure. You know, I think two of them um, that we've talked about a good bit and some already in this conversation, but I think the importance of partnerships, especially in sort of any community engaged research is just critical to the overall success of the research itself. And so, you know, partnerships with established organizations and and working to, to do the very important things of, of respectfully building off of the trust that those organizations have already built. And you know, by respectfully, I mean, honoring the work that they've done uh, to, to build that respect, being good stewards of it when they're uh, willing to share kind of their connection and relationship with um, uh, a community like a community of immigrants. I think the second thing I would highlight is, is then in this research, uh, the importance of direct voices of immigrants. You know, I think uh, it allows the identification of places where the perspectives of serving organizations and immigrants themselves might actually diverge. And that's uh, important to both the research and I think also to um, stewarding the diversity that's out there and, and kind of channeling that through, allowing that to flow through in the report findings. Uh, so I think some of the ways that we worked at that within you know, our reporting were to, to use significant quotes uh, from people within the report, again, anonymized, uh, just kind of referencing an immigrant from such and such a broad region. Um, but having those voices in some of the feedback we've gotten was, was important for people feeling like that had come through, that those voices were represented uh, in a good way. So I think partnerships and, and direct uh, kind of voice for participants in the study are are two of those themes that I would highlight. Absolutely, um, those are fantastic recommendations. And you know, those are all the questions that I have. Is there anything else that either of you would like to share? Well, I would like to add that integration of immigrants is not an issue that only concerns the immigrants. The full integration of immigrants ensures that they're maximizing their human capital and that would allow Virginia to address chronic labor shortages that we have 
and will also position Virginia as a competitive force in the global economy. Full integration of immigrants would enable us to reap benefits in the form of higher tax revenues and happier, more productive, and more engaged new members in our communities. This is why we believe that introducing and implementing policies and programs aimed at facilitating integration of immigrants in Virginia is a key priority. Yeah, and I think that that encapsulates um, really kind of that definition of integration that we used in our research that then integration isn't just about immigrants becoming more like the community that they've moved to um, in in this new uh, part chapter of their life, but the community becoming different in relation to the new immigrants who are coming in. And I think that kind of give and take is one thing that I would kind of add appreciation for a, a, in the context of this study, you know, a, an appreciation for all of those who, who share their insights to make this study possible. Uh, those folks, of course, don't get, uh, because of the anonymity, you know, kind of billing by name, but uh, if any of them are listening, we certainly uh, hope they understand how appreciative we are of, of them sharing their insights with us. The research wouldn't happen otherwise. For sure. And, you know, that reminds me of um, kind of an analogy that I might have read in an article that was assigned by Dr. Liebert when I took one of your classes. Um, you know, there's the old saying that America is like a melting pot where everyone just comes together but the new way to look at that is it's not a melting pot where new people just come in and blend in. It's more like a salad bowl where we're all together, but the differences are still highlighted and seen and celebrated. And I think you both did um, a very wonderful job of showing that through the research that you've done and that you continue to do. Um, you know, thank you both so much for taking the time to share this information with us today. Thank you to all of our listeners, and I hope that you will join us for the next episode of Compass Point.